0: you
1: remember Nazlan, a few weeks ago we decided not to drink coffee anymore. <laughs> Were you able to do that? Well, I managed not to drink coffee for a whole day, but I'm not at all sure
0: about you. Well, congratulations to you. I managed not to drink coffee only one morning, but at lunchtime I had to go back drinking it to stay awake. Knowing you again,
1: you'd only manage not to drink coffee if you were asleep. (laughs) Yes, I sleep anyway if I don't drink coffee after every meal. (laughs) God save coffee, the devil's drink, as Africans used to call it.
0: Hello, we are back. I'm having coffee with my friend Nazlan Ertan. Hello to you too again I touch <laughs> Nazan you know the story of the song we are listening now
1: Yes it's Sargaden great choice of a song that's claimed by many nations in the Caucasus
0: You know, I always thought this was a Turkish folk song from East Turkey. But when I went to Azerbaijan for the first time, I realized both Armenians and Azeris and even Iranians were singing it in their own languages and as their own folk songs. In between us, Azeri and Armenian versions are much better, much more symphonic.
1: nice when many nations and ethnic groups claim the same song and they sing it in their own ways and in their own language. Or you can just sing it without claiming it as your own, which is the case of Sarigelin. Unfortunately, that's not so when it comes to territory. Indeed. The stories, the practices, the events, even the
0: fates change altogether then.
1: Which brings us to the events in the mountainous Karabakh region in the Caucasus nowadays. Both Armenians and Azeris claimed that piece of land and they have been fighting over that since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yes, for almost 30 years. Under the Soviet rule, like all
0: other countries under the Soviet regime, Azerbaijan and Armenia had accepted their borders drawn by the former communist rulers. And those rulers made sure to leave enclaves of people from different ethnicities in each state in this case mostly Armenians were living in the Karabakh region of Azerbaijan state following the collapse of the Soviet regime Armenians with the blessing of Russia invaded Karabakh and surrounding Azeri populated regions you were in the region right in
1: the middle of the Armenian-Azeri war weren't you yes
0: I was the United Nations information officer in Baku the capital of Azerbaijan in 1993-1994
1: So you were a young info officer in an equally young state, and both of you found yourselves in a war. Did you actually feel the war in Baku, or did it feel as if it was elsewhere, distant from the booming capital?
0: Well, Azerbaijan was a newly established state then. After the collapse of the Soviet system, all production and trade lines were affected. Thus, there were very, very few things in Baku, uh, in all Azerbaijan. It was very difficult to find food, even things like as simple as bread, medicines, sanitary goods, soaps, toilet papers, detergents, everything was a problem. All shops were empty or closed altogether. We were walking around with our nylon bags so that we could use them for goods
1: we find in a street corner by chance. And I suppose it was much worse in the front lines, wasn't it?
0: Oh, I realized the enormous scope of the problems when I started to join the United Nations fact-finding missions or needs assessment missions in the front lines and refugee camps. Hundreds of thousands of Azeris were displaced when Armenians occupied Nagorno-Karabakh and the surrounding regions where Azeris lived. Unfortunately, I saw how the Armenians burned all the Azeri lands they occupied along the Iranian border for hundreds of kilometers. I met people, old people, young people, women, children again, old people running away from the shootings and firings of Armenians. Most of them had jumped into the Aras River between Iran and Azerbaijan in cold September October months in 1993. One woman, One of the survivors told me that at one point it was impossible to distinguish between the dead children and dead animals in the river. The survivors had to live in the tent camps in horrible conditions and in deep scarcity and diseases for many years after that. Azerbaijan was too weak, too inexperienced as a state in those years, almost like an orphan. And couldn't fight for its territories.
1: But now the country is back on its feet and it seems it is committed to continue the war till it gets back the territories it has lost. On the other hand, Armenia seems equally committed to keeping them. Is there any chance that the international community could negotiate a peace agreement? Actually, Azerbaijan has
0: been hoping for a peace agreement since the ceasefire in 1990s. There are four UN Security Council resolutions asking Armenians to respect the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan and to give back its territories. But Armenians didn't withdraw. In May 1994, uh, the clashes had stopped and a peace process was started under the name of Minsk peace process with three co-chairs Russia, US and France. And Azerbaijan patiently joined these talks for years which didn't produce any results until now. Uh, probably it would have continued its efforts to solve the problem peacefully if last year Armenia didn't announce that Karabakh and the surrounding regions it occupied were part of Armenia. And if a missile attack from Armenia to the Tovuz region of Azerbaijan were not made six months ago in July. So where is Tavuz? well Thomas is a border town uh, between the two countries between Armenia and Azerbaijan and guess what all gas and oil pipelines coming to Turkey and Europe are passing by this town so not only civilians died uh, in this missile attack i mentioned uh, in July but also the security of the pipelines was threatened it is believed that Armenia, by shelling Azeri territories from within its own borders, wanted to bring regional powers such as uh, Turkey and Russia into this war, uh, given that uh, there is an anti-Russian government in Armenia now but instead encountered with a strong rebuff from Azeri army.
1: To be honest, I'm a bit frustrated that most of the international media refers to Azeri attacks on Armenians, ignoring that the fight is in the territories that Armenia occupied. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Armenians may be showing this as an assault
0: on themselves, but in reality Azeris, given the never-ending peace talks, are simply taking their territory back. Uh, this reminds me of a story I remember when I was uh, living in London uh, I had an Armenian friend from London School of Economics and one day a group of thieves grabbed her bag while she was walking in the street and they ran away and my friend ran after them and took her back from the thieves and when she reported this uh, incident to the police the British police said Never do that again because it's very dangerous because the thieves think that the bag is theirs now. (laughs) So I remembered after uh, maybe how many years, I don't know, I remembered this case when I I see those news of Armenians like crying and uh, criticizing (laughs) Azeris. Now I see what the British police means. Indeed Armenians think these are their own territories. Yes,
1: Azeri seem to have the legality on its side, plus the current military gains. But it seems to me that President Ilham Aliyev and his team seem very behind on diplomacy and communications. Indeed so. I also believe the wars are won and lost on the table.
0: (laughs) The Armenians can still win despite the territorial regains of Azerbaijan on the ground. Because Armenians have a strong diaspora in powerful countries, as you know, and they are in important places, and they have, as we see in international media, they have access to all international media organs as well.
1: The Armenians also have the sympathy card, no? It's a large diaspora, influential in the United States, in France, and many European countries. And they have cultivated an image as a small nation that has much suffered in the past, including the massacre under the Ottoman Empire, and must get something positive now. Exactly however
0: inaccurate or irrelevant is their interpretation of the past, these put Armenians two
1: points ahead in the information war. On the other hand, the image of Azerbaijan is not great, it appears as an all rich autocracy, where the current president inherited his position from his father, which makes Democrats around the world very uneasy. But still,
0: Azerbaijan has the strongest card. As you know, it has strong oil and gas business relations with many powerful countries. Almost every country has invested in the Caspian resources over the last 30 years. So the security of Azeri territories is not important only for itself now, but also for Russia, for
1: Turkey, for Europe in general and for the US. Not only that, but governments like Azerbaijan still can have a few quick wins if they just tolerate different views in and outside the country. And of course, we should let people tell their own story. But we might need to discuss this in one of our next episodes. Definitely, we should do that. Let's say bye for now, uh, with the hope of meeting and solving the world
0: problems in the next episodes. See you, and keep away from the coffee.